Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, August 31st, the Abstraction of Hoopdeism edition. I'm Gabriel Roth, an editor at Slate and the patriarch of a family that includes Eliza, age six, and Leo, who is three. I'm Rebecca Lavoy. I'm a podcaster living in New Hampshire. I'm the mom of Henry, who's 16, stepmom to Lily, who is 17, also mom to Teddy, who is 14. And for the next couple weeks, I am foster sort of mom to a wonderful German exchange student named Moritz. He is 15. Wow. And my name is Carvel Wallace. I'm a, a writer and editor in Oakland, and I'm the father to Georgia, who is, as of today, 12 years old. And Ezra, who is 14. Happy birthday, Georgia. Yeah, happy Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Georgia. You said today she's 12 years old? Today. Today's today's the 12th anniversary. What are you doing for for her birthday? What's happening for her birthday? Uh, Pretty low key. We're going to, she's meeting up with her friends after school and they're going to go to the movies and then we're going to all meet up and have a family dinner. She doesn't really, she's a little like too cool for like a party at this point. That's the way she's handling it. Yeah. None her friends don't do that anymore. They all just kind of like meet for these cosmopolitan like dinners and like engagements. Yeah. It's very it's very, very grown-up. Twelve year olds, yes. man. Just like, yeah, drinks with friends, you know. Like, <laughs> Birthday like, drinks. Sodas, so, sodas with friends. Birthday that sort of drinks thing. for Georgia. <laughs> Hope it's fun. Yeah. Today on our show, we have a question from a listener whose daughter's daycare has been lax about vaccinations and another who is wondering how to decide who to name as her children's guardian in her will. Plus, we'll have triumphs, we'll have fails, we'll have recommendations. And on Slate Plus, the privileged few who are members of Slate Plus will get to hear a little more about the stuff that Rebecca doesn't feel comfortable sharing publicly about her family life. (laughs) Word. (laughs) Seriously, if you have any curiosity at all about Rebecca that doesn't go, uh, that, that goes unsatisfied by the mainstream version of this show, a Slate Plus membership should be in your future. Uh, but first, triumphs and fails. Uh, Carvel, did you have a triumph or did you have a fail? Oh, man. I had. I have no idea what this is. I believe it's a triumph. So 
Uh, it started off good, then it went bad, then it went good, then it went bad. I a couple of days ago, I went, I bought a car. I bought a car, guys. I was driving around in a 2004 minivan that my that was, I mean, everything. I, if I went like. I can't even explain all the things that were wrong with this van. Like the the seat was, like thing had been rotted out, so the seat like rocked every time it hit a bump. The driver's <laughs> seat, um, the door would fling open if you took a left turn too hard. Like it was just everything about this. It was a hoopty car. Was it was it was beyond. It was post hoopty. It was it was deep hoopty. It was like it was like an abstraction of hooptyism, and uh, and and yet I loved it and everything. And and I'm someone that does not like to have car payments, so I was like, pay for this car in cash. I'm never, never picking up a car payment. So driving this car around, then finally I decided, all right, it's time to finally do something. So I set this alert to find a particular car that I wanted at a particular price point, at a particular mileage point, anywhere in the state of California. <laughs> and I've, this has been going on for like a month. And so finally last week it was announced. Ta-da! Like here's your car. It's in Orange County, so I booked this. So I made this trip to Orange County, drove down with the minivan, exchanged the minivan for the car. They gave me five hundred dollars for the van, which they seemed like was felt like was a generous offer, and uh, I got the new car, and I was so excited. I drove back in the new car that night, and the reason I had to do it that night was because it's like a six and a half hour drive. But the reason I had to do it that night is because the following Sunday, the next day, was the annual last day of summer trip to Santa Cruz, which we've taken every year since the kids were in preschool. Every year on the last day of summer at sunset, me and each of the kids individually ride the Ferris wheel and reflect on the summer that has passed and the year ahead. It's tradition and it's become this huge thing for all their friends. So now it ends up being initially when we lived in LA, it was just the three of us. And now it's like seven kids going on the trip with us. And so... You can't not do the Santa Cruz trip. So I got the car, came back up, did the Santa Cruz trip. On my way to pick up people, I was in the car alone. No kids in the car yet. I'm driving down past Lake Merritt, 10 a.m. A drunk driver pulls out from a parking spot, tries to make an illegal U-turn all the way across four lanes of traffic, sideswipes my car, destroys it. Like, actually destroys the car. And... (laughs) Then, this is what my favorite, then waves at me like, oh, sorry, and then peels off. The reason I know he was a, <laughs> he was a drunk, it was a couple. The reason I know they were drunk is because immediately people, because the lake on a Sunday morning, very crowded, people are running, people are shopping, there's farmer's markets. P- immediately people were like, oh, I just, I just saw this car. Like, I just saw the car that hit you go up the street. And I just saw, like, the, <laughs> the lady that was in the car got out and peed in the bushes. And, and, and the guy was drinking from this thing. And the lady was drinking from a flask. And, and so this car went off and disappeared. And I was, like, really stressed because, well, I, stressed isn't the word. I had a lot of feelings, obviously, when it happened. And I was just trying to center myself and figure out what to do. So I started making the phone calls. I decided I called my insurance company. I called the... I call the the police, and the insurance company's like, now keep in mind, I have a new car. So I just switched the insurance yesterday using the app while I was in the auto dealership. While they're doing the financing, I'm on my little internet phone trying to change my insurance. And it turns out that somewhere in that process, I did not add collision to my insurance. I just had liability, which is the law in California. Oh, but I meant to add collision, which is like if you get if you collide with a tree or a pole or a drunk driver who waves at you and then drives away into the morning that you're covered. 
So when I call my insurance company, I explain the situation. They're like, I'm so sorry you've been in an accident. Looks like we're not going to be able to do anything about that. And I was like, what? That's the moment when I probably felt the most. Um, And they're like, unless the police find the person, then we can find out they're an uninsured driver. Then you're covered for uninsured driver. Or if they have insurance, then their insurance will cover it. Or, you know, if it was your fault, we'd cover it. But this one little pocket of scenario where it's not your fault, but you don't have the person whose fault it is, then you're on your own. And that was pretty stressful. Until it was pointed out to me that this hit-and-run driver did get away, but what didn't get away was their license plate. Not the license plate number, the actual license plate was (laughs) ripped from their car. (laughs) And still lay at the scene of the crime. (laughs) Nice. This is like a law and order cold open right now. This is really intriguing. So meanwhile, the kids, so Joe and the kids, this is like maybe four blocks from from where Joe and the kids are. Joe and the kids hop in the car. They speed down, guns blazing, and they get out. And then, you know, they like uh, harass me and annoy me under the guise of being helpful while I try to make these phone calls. And then my son, who I think did as well as he could to try and hold his tongue, but could not last less than maybe 20 minutes before he was like, so like, are we going to Santa Cruz? Or what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh, like, I man. don't know right now. Just relax, you know. <laughs> and so, but it was my intention the whole time to figure out how to make the Santa Cruz trip happen. Just needed to deal with all the stuff. So we dealt with it. The tow truck comes, blah, blah, blah. We go to the, the you know, we file the report. I, I, we go to the body shop. It's a Sunday, so the guy has to get out of bed and come, you know, with all this stuff. We go through all that, and then it's like noon, and I'm like, all right, kids, we're going to Santa Cruz. <laughs> so I text all the kids, and we actually were going to borrow a van, another parent's minivan, to take all the kids to Santa Cruz because even my old minivan couldn't carry eight passengers. It could only carry seven, but the new ones carry eight. So we already were going to borrow a minivan. So we just did it. We hopped in a lift. We went over to the friend's house. We got the minivan. Kids popped in the car, and then we finished the day. But we got to Santa Cruz at 3 o'clock. Normally, we get there at like 1030 so the lines were ridiculous, but uh, we did it. We did the whole day. We did everything. The kids went off. The girls went off this way. The boys went off that way. At the end of the day, we rode the Ferris wheel. We got hamburgers. We drove home. We listened to music. It was a complete day, and it was really good. And uh, so ups and downs, ups and downs, but I survived. And the thing I, the reason I consider this a triumph is because everyone – I texted, was like, this is so, I can't believe this happened to you. Like, what bad luck? And all I could think was, I got hit by a drunk driver, and I survived. My kids weren't in the car, and we got to Santa Cruz, and everyone's alive. Like, it's, it's, it's bad money luck, maybe. I still, the insurance company still hasn't gotten back to me now that they found out that I have the insurance, the license plate, so I don't know what's going to happen there, but I, you know, they should pay for it. But, uh, I was thinking this is bad money luck, but really good life luck in every possible way. And so having an accident like that, which came out of nowhere, really does kind of remind you of how little you have control over and how lucky you are to be alive on on whatever days that you happen to be able to make it through being alive. So that was my story. And I'm driving a rental car right now. The end. Hmm. Unmitigated triumph. Complete triumph. (laughs) Totally agree. Totally agree. I think it's great that you ended up going to Santa. It's your tradition. You have to do it. You'll remember that the Santa Cruz part of the day long after you remember how much you enjoyed owning that car for 24 hours or however long. (laughs) (laughs) 
And yeah. like there's people, there's people counting on you. Like there's people counting on yeah. you to go to Santa Cruz and there's people counting on you to keep it together and you kept it together. Yeah. That's the, yeah. what more can we ask of you? Nothing. The world can't ask <laughs> anything more of you than that. Bravo. Rebecca, yeah. you got to follow that. Triumph or fail? Uh, Triumph, and mine is also car-related. Uh, my son Henry got his driver's license on Friday, which means I never have to wait in that fucking school drop-off line ever again. And all you suburban parents out there who've been through this, you know what I'm talking about. And not having to sort, it's not just the line, it's also the sort of interruption of the morning of like, trying to get my own getting ready for work schedule set around the fact that I have to get these kids to school at a specific time. It's really, it's kind of like a long-term pain in the ass that I'm now free of, and I didn't realize how good it would feel. Uh, It kind of um, takes away a lot of the angst about having a teen driver to not have to do that morning run. And also, Henry is able to drive his brother around and has done so a couple of times already, and he even did like an errand for me. So, um Part two of this story will come in Slate Plus, but part one is the triumphant part, which is that my son Henry can drive and uh, I no longer have to wait in that fucking school drop-off line ever again. Mm. (laughs) Awesome. Good job, Henry. Congratulations. Yeah. I have a fail. It's a small fail. It's one of those sort of small things that you don't even quite notice until it's over, but that stay in your heart and will nag at you probably for the rest of your life. We've been having... uh, Leo has been having sleeping problems. Uh, He was always a great sleeper. He slept in uh, his crib until he was close to three, and he always was fine going into his crib, went right to sleep, no problems. And around the time he turned three, he started waking up in the night and screaming, and I want somebody here with me, and I'm going to climb out of the crib and fall down to the ground. And we very quickly got him a proper bed, and he hated that, and he would come out and like come insist that somebody be in his room with him, sometimes four times a night. It's just been terrible. So we've been going through this terrible thing. Um, and we've been working with him on it and trying various things. The setup is he and his sister share a room. She has a regular bed in like the main part of the room. And then there's a little nook or alcove that is like Leo's alcove where he had his crib. And now he has his kid bed and his closet and his pictures. And it seemed nice and cozy, the alcove. It seemed great. And then we went away for a vacation and he slept. He had his own room in the vacation house and he slept great the whole time. Didn't get up, didn't bother us. And we thought, oh, good, it's all fine and dandy. And then we got home, and the first night back, he keeps, like, getting out of his bed and bugging us. And we had sort of forgotten about this problem. We had allowed ourselves to believe that it was over, but now it's back. And, like, fuck this. I just can't take this anymore. But I was in his room with him, and I was talking to him, and I was saying, you got to go to sleep, and you got to let me go to sleep in my bed, and you go to sleep in your bed so that we can rest our bodies for the morning to do lots of fun things, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And... uh, at some point, somehow he gave me, he, he let me know that he didn't like being in this little nook. He didn't like being in this alcove. And, it, you know, it's a perfectly nice alcove, but like maybe it felt <laughs> enclosed or scary or the shadows were weird or something like that. So I said, do you want me to move your mattress out onto the floor of the main part of the room next to your sister's bed? And, and, and he nodded in a very serious way that made me think, oh, this nook thing has been a big part of the problem in a way that he wasn't able to articulate and we didn't know. So I moved the mattress and I put it on the floor and he lies down and he goes to sleep and um, he sleeps totally fine. And like, oh, this is great. We just have to rearrange their furniture. We've solved this problem. This is terrific. And then the next night, He's going to bed and he says, I don't want to sleep in my nook. And I said, do you want to sleep on the mattress on the floor again? And he said, yeah, that's what I want. 
And so I said, okay, you're going to sleep on the mattress on the floor? And he said, yeah. And I said, and you're going to sleep all through the night, right? And you're not going to come in and get us? And he said, no. And I don't know, I was tired or I was like worried that he was going to get more demanding or something. Because I just said to him, because, you know, if you come and keep bugging us, then maybe you have to go back in the nook. (laughs) (laughs) He got this really scared look. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just threatened him with the nook. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just, for for no reason, I I just became the dad who's threatening to put you in the nook. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and I was like, but you're not going to do that. And you're going to be on the floor and it's going to be fine. And then we're going to move your bed and it's all going to be fine. But you can't repair the fear that you've instilled yeah. in the three-year-old boy's heart by threatening him with Ugh. the scary nook. And nothing I can do about that. No one puts Leo in a nook. All right. So basically you have a situation here. It's like what dog trainers say not to do. Like don't put your dog in the crate to punish them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's I never going to sleep in the nook today. again. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> Obviously, there's no way I'm going to make him sleep in the nook again, but he doesn't know that. And, and he, he, I think, loves me. And I think he thinks I'm an affectionate dad. I don't think he thinks of me as a tyrant, but he knows that I'm the guy now who might any time force him to sleep in the nook. You're a monster. There are oh. there's so many strategic angles to this, this situation that you're in. I mean, this is really, this is really, an, this is really a, 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 stra- a strategic um, sort of like flower. What you're saying because... is it's time for some game theory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How else can we use the in nook though, to your advantage? Okay, so no, because because obviously putting him in the nook, threatening to put him in the nook if he wakes up is like, I mean, doesn't make any sense because no. the reason he was waking up was no, it, because it, the nook. It was tactically now, stupid as well as cruel. It was tactically stupid, but... <laughs> And yet, but yet, so it was really just an expression of control, like a sudden, yes, sort of desperate grasp. Yes, like and fucking like, stop getting out of bed and waking <laughs> me up. <laughs> yeah, so help me God. Yeah, fucking, I will take the you worst are driving me insane. Twice. Yeah, yeah. However, now you're in a bind because it yeah. seems to be working. Yeah, I fucked myself. And but but the problem is you're afraid that you may have traumatized yeah. him. <laughs> And now he may fear for you. Yeah. So, so what? What a normal what you what you would do devoid of all consequence if you were if all you were concerned about was the heart of your child. Yeah. Is you would say, you know, I I, I know you're afraid of the nook, son. I'm not really. Gonna I will never put I, you in the nook. It's just something I said it, because yeah. I was tired and wasn't yeah. thinking. I, I would not do that. Yeah. I love you and I don't want you to be afraid. Yeah. Come wait, wake me up whenever you want. Come. Yeah. Come, but but then <laughs> that's bug me in the night you're whenever you like. Yeah. Right, because you don't want to say that. No. Man, you've you've really painted yourself into a corner. I re- you have a moral dilemma versus a tactical one. And I, re- uh, I wish you the best of luck. Wow. Yep. Good luck with that, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. You've made me feel both better but but more predominantly worse. Someone's got to go buy a house with a new bedroom, another bedroom, like immediately. <laughs> that's, that's the only way to get out of this situation. And we all know yeah. in New York that's incredibly affordable, right? That's not happening in New York, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Um, it's time for us to move on. But first, uh, let's do a bit of business. 
So first off, we want to hear from you. Later in this show, we're going to be taking some calls from listeners. Those calls give us ideas for what to talk about. Uh, they give us material to work with. They tell us what you're interested in hearing us on. And we love to get your voice on the show. If you want to become one of those callers, it's very easy. All you have to do is leave us a voicemail at the phone number 424-255-7833. It's the best way to get us to respond to your questions uh, and to uh, tell us what you want to hear us talk about. Once again, that phone number is 424-255-7833. We look forward to hearing from you. We do. We really do. See, you got to drive it home. Yeah, babe. good. Carvel doesn't <laughs> particularly, apparently. <laughs> Carvel's like, eh. It's more fun to talk to people than yeah. it is to just talk to each other. Let's face it, right? No, it's great. I, yeah. I, I actually love reading the questions that we get. I think that's probably the best part of this job, actually. We read them because Google transcribes them with sometimes Poorly. amusing <laughs> yeah, transcription Google transcriptions errors. are also yeah, some, I some mean, of them amusing. Then we that's listen major, to the audio to, to figure out what you actually said. Major assist to Google. If you want your voice uh, mangled by Google's <laughs> auto transcription feature, call 424-255-7833. I'd like to tell you about another great Slate show, Hang Up and Listen, Hosted by Josh Levine and Stefan Fatsis, it's a sports show that explores the intersection between sports and society, conversations and interviews you won't hear anywhere else. Last week, they talked to Jason Gay of The Wall Street Journal about Floyd Mayweather's win over Conor McGregor and to Robert Lipsight about the accusation that ESPN is too liberal. Check out Hang Up and Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I'd like to talk to you about Slate Plus, our membership program where fans of Slate and of Slate Podcasts help support us. For just $35 for your first year, you can help cover the cost of producing this and other Slate shows. And of course, in return, you get an extended ad-free version of this show and our other podcasts, including all of the private stuff that Rebecca doesn't like to share with the world and a ton <laughs> of other great benefits. So if you want to support Mom and Dad Are Fighting, go to slate.com slash momanddadplus and join Slate Plus today. Okay, moving on. We have a call from a listener named Jane in Portland. Hi, I'm Jane calling from Portland, and I have a question for mom and dad are fighting that is possibly controversial. Um, it's about daycare and vaccines. I have an almost one-year-old who is fully up to date and will get a few more like MMR on her first birthday. And when picking a daycare to put her in at five months, finding a place that requires vaccines was high on our priority list, and we found one that we love. It's a small in-home daycare with a loving lady who runs it. We get along with her, trust her, and our baby really enjoys being there. Plus, she's willing to accommodate our rotating part-time needs that I doubt any other daycare would. Our daughter's been there for seven months, and we absolutely love it. Recently, our provider had to tell us that a new two-year-old who's been there for four months has never been vaccinated. She said she's strict about making sure all of the kids there are fully vaccinated, and the situation slipped through the cracks. Basically, the other mom said her kid was vaccinated, kept forgetting to bring in the documentation over and over until our provider forgot about it. She just realized, confronted the parent, and then the parent finally admitted that the child's never been vaccinated. They've since gotten the child vaccinated as much as is possible at once, and she, the child can't come back until two weeks have passed. And there will be about three weeks between when the child comes back and when our kids' one-year vaccines are effective. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, they really should have never let the child start with them without proper documentation, and our provider agrees, feels terrible, and actually teared up when telling us what happened. I feel confident she's learned a valuable lesson. We'll never let it happen again, although the fact that it happened in the first place is still a problem. However, my husband and I feel like it's best to be as understanding of the situation as possible because our child thankfully wasn't exposed, no physical damage was done, and the providers learned a lot. 
So I'm curious to get your opinion on how you'd react and if you think we're being too nonchalant. And second, I'm struggling with how I feel about this child still being a part of the daycare after her mother straight up lied about something important. I asked her provider. She's not concerned about it um, now that the kid's getting vaccinated. She loves the kid, loves the mother, and thinks the mom just didn't understand the ramifications. However, I'm a little worried that this could be another example of her possibly being too trusting. I don't feel extreme enough about it to say it's them or us, but a part of me wonders if I should. How would you react? Do you think I should be more concerned about our daycare provider, the other child's parents, or anything else about the situation? Or do you think it's best to go with my gut and continue business as usual, knowing our provider feels awful, won't let it happen again, and the situation basically resolved at this point? Thanks so much. A lot of issues here. Interesting, complicated situation. At the same time, I have like a, 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 a one very strong predominant reaction. Um, one of the things we talk about on this show a lot is failure, right? We talk at the beginning. Uh, you're going to hear at least one of us tell a story of some fuck up that we made in regard to our kids. Uh, and and part of the premise of that part of the show is that like being a parent is failing constantly over and over again every day in large and small ways that have big effects or small effects or no effects. So you have a daycare provider who you really like a lot and who you really trust and who you think is taking good care of your kid and who presumably your kid is benefiting from being around. And that daycare provider made a mistake. And the mistake was not to verify the paperwork of one of the other kids vaccinations and that was a mistake and the mistake was uncovered when the daycare provider came to you and said hey look i made a mistake i didn't follow up on this paperwork and so this kid was not getting vaccinated and it's a terrible problem i feel very bad about it and i've taken steps to remedy the problem as much as i can at this point daycare providers are gonna fuck up just like parents are Daycare providers are human beings. This is a person who is working a job and who apparently takes her job really seriously and who you believe is good at her job and it's an important job. And if you can't make space for that person to fuck up, then what kind of parent can you possibly be? You got to make space for yourself to fuck up. You got to make space for your kid to fuck up. And then you got to make space for the people around you to fuck up even when you're paying them to take care of your kid because they're human beings doing a job and they're going to fuck up. And in this case, the actual harm done seems to me extremely minimal. There was, I think, a, a period of a few weeks during which your kid was in close quarters with an unvaccinated kid. But there's no evidence as far as I know from your call, that the unvaccinated kid actually had any kind of infectious disease, right? The the, the math on this is that, of course, everyone should get vaccinated, but the, the that's about large populations. That's not about being close to an unvaccinated kid for three weeks is an intolerable risk because it's actually a relatively small risk. And your kid's up to date on her vaccinations and the other kid is now up to date on their vaccinations. And you say that the daycare provider has like learned a lesson. The daycare provider doesn't seem to me to have needed to have learned much of a lesson because when she found this mistake, she presented it to you honestly and remedied it immediately. That's a professional person acting with integrity when they make a mistake. And I think you're very lucky to be in that daycare. That's my feeling about the first issue. What do you guys think? I completely agree with you. You actually said you made all the points I was going to say. First of all, I was so relieved when she said this call was controversial. I thought this was going to be a call about, uh, you know, sort of philosophy about vaccination. I'm kind of glad it started with the we wanted vaccination and there wasn't a vaccination. And that was a problem because my kids grew up pre this controversy around vaccinations. And so I am of that, of course, you vaccinate your kids uh, mindset. So I'm glad it wasn't about that. 
first. Second, I do think this daycare provider 100% deserves credit for coming to you, telling you what happened, and being forthright about it. It's very hard to control, uh, you know, your business, the way that you conduct yourself at work or in any other professional circumstance when one of the constituents is lying to you, right? I mean, that is not something this woman particularly had control over, except maybe that she didn't, you know, force them to show paperwork the day they signed up. If someone says to your face, yes, my kid has all their vaccines, it's difficult to imagine in her position that she would assume, you know what, that might not be true. So I need to see the paperwork. But now that she's going to put that in practice in place, that's great. I think she did all the right things. I don't think this mom is being too nonchalant. Uh, and I think that it is so difficult to find childcare situations that they are clearly that they are as happy with as they clearly are in this one. Um, I don't think giving this woman a second chance is even the right way to 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 put it. I think that she still is in in good standing, or at least she would be with me. So I agree with everything uh, that Gabe said just now. Yeah. Well, I I hear two questions in what she asked. One is how would you feel, and the other one is what what should I do. And I would I would feel the way that Gabe and Rebecca have described, like not that big a deal, certainly not great. But I don't know that, that like this person has committed some grievous sin by not accounting for the fact that another person was not being honest. And there is this sort of tangential question of like, should should you allow your kid to be in a daycare with the child of someone who lied about something. And that to me feels like I, the way I would feel about that is like, it's, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure I've lied about things. I'm sure other parents have lied about things that even could be, would be dangerous. I mean, most of the dangerous things that people do, they do without the belief, without the full recognition of the potential consequences. They, we calculate our own set of consequences and go, well, this is a risk I'm willing to take. Like this guy making the U-turn on Sunday morning was like, this is an illegal U-turn, but I'm sure it's fine. And then- Yeah, but or or Carvel in in a preschool daycare situation, like a common lie that parents tell too is like, oh, yes, my kid's fully toilet trained (laughs) (laughs) because like they're not allowed to start. That's a really good example. (laughs) Yeah. So, so again, so these are all things that I, yeah, it's not ideal, but I I personally wouldn't feel, I mean, I, you know, I I think that there is a certain amount of risk taking inherent with parenting and the way that, and and I mean, I think we know that, but I also feel that what I've had to learn to do over the years is that. There are, I think I said this the very first time I was on the show, that there there is a limit to my comfort. And then, but in order for me to parent and in order for my kids to be in the world, I have to go beyond that limit. I just do. Like I, there has to, like, there's a, there's like a yellow area outside of my line where it's like, this is not what I want, but I recognize that this is what needs to happen. And your kid needs to be in daycare, I'm assuming for reasons, otherwise that's why you you wouldn't have them there. And so part of being in daycare means they're in the world. Part of them being in the world means they're exposed to the world. And there are some things in the world that aren't exactly as we would design them, but this doesn't strike me as something that's necessary to make, um, to make a to make a drastic changeover or to hold anyone accountable or to punish anyone. Uh, and the other thing that you want to stay, that I would like to stay away from if I were in this situation is wanting to, you know, this brings up feelings for me, but I don't want to punish other people 
because I have feelings, right? I don't want to like imp- make other people feel bad because I feel bad. I don't want other people to feel scared just as a way of off offloading my fear onto other people. So sometimes there's this impulse to punish someone or make a big action or show them that you've had enough or do something drastic, pull a nuclear option as a way of finding a container for our own feelings. And I try to do that as little as possible. That's what I would do. The other part of this question, though, is is what should you do? And the only thing I'll offer to the contrary of everything I just said is that when you send your kid to a daycare, if you are perpetually uncomfortable about an aspect of that daycare, no matter how valid or invalid that from a, from a quote-unquote objective perspective that comfort or discomfort is, that's something to pay attention to. Because there's, there's a consistent cost to being nagged by discomfort every time you say goodbye to your child. And if for whatever reason you have that discomfort, it's something to pay attention to. And if it if it if this goes away after a week and you're like, yeah, maybe I was overreacting. I'm sort of now that I look at it, it's not that big a deal. That's fine. But if this continues to be an issue for you, whether or not it should, if it does, that's something I think you should take seriously because it just is, you know, you only it's just not great to send your kid to something that stresses you out every single morning. I, I agree with that, but there's also isn't there also like Dropping off your kid at a daycare is just intrinsically uncomfortable. Yes, like that's right. Does anybody is, just yes. like always feel great and totally? I mean, we've had wonderful childcare providers, and I I loved going to work and <laughs> leaving my kids with them. But there's always that feel like, what is going to happen to my kid when I am not like when your kid is very very small? There's always that feeling of what is going to happen when I am not yeah. physically next to the kid to protect yes. them and comfort them. Right, and you know, that's you know, the world. you know what I'm hearing in this question isn't that she's uncomfortable; it's that she's questioning that she's not uncomfortable. She's sort of she's saying. Should I be making a bigger, should I be uncomfortable with this? Should I make, and mm-hmm. what I hear mm-hmm. here is that mm-hmm. innate angst in parenting that exists right now where people are mm. so worried that other parents will say, how could you keep sending your kids to this daycare mm. where this happened? You know, <laughs> right, you right, should make sure right. that your kid doesn't play with this other. I, I would make sure to see all the, she's angsty because she's not having those feelings and she's worrying and it's sort of the innate thing where we worry about being judged and then we are concerned that we're not reacting the way the people who might judge us would want us to react that's the angst i hear i don't hear her, that she's uncomfortable dropping her daughter off every morning in this particular question but i could yeah, have just I been hear, reading the google yeah. translate wrong so who <laughs> <knows>? <laughs> yeah that whole line about robots what was she talking about no but i am um, <laughs> But that no, that is an important distinction because I, I think I, I think you're right about that too. That is another huge aspect of parenting in a social setting is like when you're not stressed about something and other parents are like, "How could you?" That kind of pressure is is terrible too. So I, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it's a tough situation. No way. To Again, win. like yeah, there's no way to there's no, no way, way to win. win. But yeah. The, yeah. But but I would say that, like, you know, there's two – again, there's two questions. One is, like, how would we feel and, you know, what should you do? And I think all of us are saying we'd probably – now all of us are, like, somewhat experienced parent, parents. I think we'd – looking back, we'd all be like, eh, okay, moving on. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will add, I think it's fine to give that other mom the stink eye at pickup. Totally. Like, the, <laughs> the, the mom actually lied to the daycare provider's totally. face. That's not cool. That's no and good. It, 
And it's uh, not the same as lying about your kid being potty trained. No. I didn't mean to draw that no, as an equivalency. No, that's, that's, that was just yeah, an example no, right. of a, yeah. like a yeah. white lie that I know yeah, I told. Yeah, that's not cool. Don't take, it out, <laughs> don't take it out on that mom's kid. It's not the kid's exactly. fault. Let the kid it's not be the kid's a, fault. Let the kid be yeah. a nice friend to your daughter who now has all her vaccines and, and give the mom yeah. the stink eye. That mom yep. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of judging. <laughs> all right. Hope that was helpful. Okay, let's move on. We have another call from listener Brianna. Hi, this question is for mom and dad are fighting. My name is Brianna. My husband and I have a 16-month-old son, and we're expecting number two in February. I finally convinced my husband to sit down and write a will and that it's really important for us to designate who we want to be guardian for our children if something should happen to both of us. I'm just wondering, how did you guys do that? How did you have those discussions or have those debates as to essentially it's going to be one of your families or the other, if you both have families that could care for them, um, and how you eventually came to a decision on that. Additionally, I'm curious, what did you guys decide about talking to those family members that you would have as a primary and alternate ahead of time? It seems like that would be a great idea, but at the same time, I'm concerned that if I talk to my family member, it might get out to the other family members or to the other family. For instance, if we talk to the alternate and say, you're not our first choice, there could be some hurt feelings there. At the same time, it seems like Having an additional shock of inheriting children when your brother or sister passes suddenly in a car crash or something would be really disturbing. Anyway, I'd love to hear your opinion. Thanks. This is very fresh in my mind, even though I had this conversation with my ex-husband uh, 16 and a half years ago, because the, <laughs> the thing about choosing a guardian, it's a two-parter. There's an internal politics part, and there's a who do you want raising your kids part. Those are two separate conversations. And it's important to remember this one thing that a trust and estates attorney told my ex-husband and I when we were grappling with this exact same issue. You will be dead should this thing ever come to pass. You won't be there for any of the political fallout within your family. You won't be there for the hurt feelings. The thing that is most important is that your kids will be living with the people who will be able to provide for them the best, who you will be the most comfortable with the parenting styles of the folks that you choose, that it's the kind of household that you would want in the tragic circumstance that you are not able to provide your own uh, household because you'll be dead. And he just kept reminding me of that, like, you will be dead. It is amazing how much clarity can come to this conversation when you keep that top of mind. Because the hurt feeling stuff that you're anticipating already in advance, even having these conversations with people about whether or not they're your first choice, your not choice, that's not about who's going to be parenting your kids. That is about the family dynamics that exist for you when you are alive. It is not about them and who will be the best parents for them. So what we ultimately ended up doing was we had a couple of people in mind within our families, none of whom, by the way, were our parents, uh, which, you know, we knew would create some you know, issues, um, you know, the conversation. So we just kept it really low key. We approached people we had in mind. We said, we're in the process of selecting guardians. You know, we are wondering if we put you down as a primary or a backup. Is that something that you feel like we could do and give them some time to think about? Of course, all the people that you would want to choose typically would be the first people to say, of, of course, of course we would. We'll take them now when you go on vacation. Those are the people <laughs> that you're going to gravitate to anyway. Um, and in terms of like informing people that they're not their guardians, 
unless you've already talked about this process with your extended family, there is not a whole lot of reason to do that. There really isn't because then you are bringing to bear the exact dynamics that you're worried about and that you're going to be dead uh, if they ever play out. And if your real intention is just to have like the safest, most loving, most wonderful home for your kids possible, there this trust and estates attorney told us that there is not a compelling reason to tell someone unless they ask you that they have not been chosen as your children's guardians. And in he, what he told me, and which I carried with me ever since then, and subsequent will that I wrote with my husband now, is that um, it's not really their business the same way it's not their business how you, you know, what diet you choose for your kids or, you know, whether or not your kid takes piano lessons versus drum lessons. Those are parenting decisions that you make. This is also a parenting decision. It's not your responsibility to make everyone else happy. And remember, you will be dead. So those that, that's my advice when it comes to navigating this. <laughs> but I know it does feel like a lot. So I'm not trying to discount like the weight of your question because I know it's difficult. And I was having exact same struggle before that lawyer gave me that very pragmatic and somewhat dark but useful advice. You will be dead. I love the idea that there are some people out there who call up their relatives and say, hi, I'm just going to let you know that we considered making you the guardian <laughs> right. for our children. <laughs> right. But in the end, we decided hey, that you're- we're so sorry to let you know. You're emotionally, right. you're too cold, <laughs> and, and we worry that you're not responsible with money and you're a bad driver, <laughs> and so we went with these other people instead. Just wanted to let you know. I 100% agree with Rebecca. She said exactly what I was going to say, which is like, why would you tell these people when they're still living? It is a parenting decision. It's not a, it's, it's not, it's not the choosing of a successor to your, I mean, it's, it, and, sh, and the caller is right that if you tell people we've chosen you as the person and not you, then yeah, that is going to cause internal strife. And it's different family to family, who knows? But the other thing is that, you know, this thing that she said about, that the double shock of knowing that you're inheriting the child as well as having lost the relative, I that double shock happens anyway, right? I mean, it's like it's like even if you know that in the event of something that you're that you're gonna become the parent to this child or these children, you're still not expecting that thing to happen. So the day you get that phone call that says like, hey, this you know, this person that was in your life, that was in your family is no longer with you. The shock is already big. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's. I don't think mitigating that shock is some kind of thing that you can do in advance. It's tremendous and transformative for everyone involved if you're a parent. And I do think that it's a parenting decision. You choose the person that you think is going to put your kids in the best place to have a good life. What did you What did you guys do? What did you do? Who did you pick? We chose uh, a friend of ours. We chose we chose a good friend, like one of one of my wife's best friends, and um, that's the way we did it. And we knew that uh, it, you know when when the kids were younger, that was more of a question that she and I talked about. And if I'm stumbling over this part of it, is because we haven't told the people, right? <laughs> we haven't told the people for this very reason. So if my any of my long lost relatives listen to this podcast, which they probably don't. There may be some surprise about the fact that we're not sending the kids, you know, out to to live with them. But, but we, you know, we had someone in mind that we thought would be the person. We did write it down. We were sure we we made that decision. We didn't make a big production. We didn't go around telling everyone this is this, you know, this is the person. But we thought this would be the person who would be best for the kids should the unthinkable happen that both of us should somehow perish at the same time. Mm-hmm. I chose my aunt and uncle, so, you know, who don't live in my state and who 
uh, are very different than my parents and who I always thought of as in some ways more parental to me than my parents were growing up and very warm and wonderful. And um, yeah, and uh, we did we did ask them if they thought they could do it because they were older. They were about the same age as my parents. And they said, of course, but I knew they would. And that's why I chose them. So I, I would say go with your pick the person who will say, of course, you didn't even have to ask. Pick that person. <laughs> and then just don't tell anybody else. <laughs> uh, we It was really easy in our case because my, I have one brother and we're very close to him and, and his wife and, and we're all good friends. And they started having kids like a year or two right after we did. And, and so we asked them and now it's a reciprocal thing and like there was no other real candidate um and and so that was an easier one is that your younger more athletic brother that's my exactly my younger more athletic <laughs> yeah, finally you're highly <laughs> capable kids have a real dad yeah exactly <laughs> someone who can throw a football with them <laughs> someone who could actually throw a football they're just praying for that car accident <laughs> oh, time, time to move on i think Time, time. I think we've addressed that one. Time to move on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for recommendations. Um, Carvel, what do you recommend to the folks? I'm recommending a book that my daughter pulled out of her backpack this morning to let me know she was reading. And I was like, is it good? She's like, I'm 50 pages in. I'm into it. It is a. It is definitely a young adult novel. It's a dystopian book called The Uglies, or sorry, Uglies, U-G-L-I-E-S by Scott Westerfeld. I believe it's the first of a trilogy or is meant to be the first of a trilogy. A trilogy. Probably ages, I'm going to say 13 and up. It's a young adult novel about a, a dystopian futuristic world in which all people have to have surgery to make them beautiful when they turn 13. And then a small band of kids resists and they move across the river and they form an encampment. And one girl is like approaching her surgery but can't figure out what to do, so on and so forth. I think you know the drill. Um, but she is really into this book, Uglies, uh, by Scott Westerfeld. She recommended it to me, so I, in turn, recommend it to you. Great. That's great. Rebecca? I've got a parenting hack. Um, I noticed I want to go back in time and thank me of a year ago for doing this because I actually forgot I did it until my son reminded me that I did it. Uh, but it's a hack that I now for next year will put in the calendar to remind, remind myself that I did. Every year at the beginning of the school year, the kids bring home like 20 forms that need to be filled out and signed. Things that have like your primary address, your backup address, your emergency contacts, your doctor, your health insurance information. Uh, do you have permission to let your kids have their photos appear in publications, et cetera, et cetera. Last year, I filled all of that out, photocopied it, 
and saved it. And this year, uh, after my son reminded me I did that, I just went in and whited out like the top three lines that said the grade. Um, and then there were a couple of other like minor changes, but whiting out two lines and rewriting them in uh, was a whole lot easier than filling out 20 pieces of paper for each kid again. So once again, this year, I photocopied everything put it in a drawer, and I need to set a calendar reminder next year to remember that I did that. But it's a little bit of a hack. Um, And also it worked. The reason I did it last year was because last year my older son, who's more responsible, brought home all that stuff like four days before my other son. And I thought, why don't I just photocopy all this and white out Henry's name and write in Teddy's name? Um, And so we didn't have to do it twice. So um, I would recommend uh, beating the system by photocopying and whiting out your kid's school paperwork and never have to fill out 20 forms again. The idea of like doing something now that will be useful to you in one year's time. <laughs> it's almost impossible. It's like I know. magic to me. It's like <laughs> I, sorcery. I, well, I luckily have a kid with a good memory. Otherwise, I wouldn't remember that I'd done it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see if it works. But it, even I think even for the two kids, photocopying it once and not filling it out twice, that felt like a revelation. So even that maybe would be a good tip. I don't know. Cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend an iPad game called Crazy Gears. We started playing Crazy Gears because my kids, we have an iPad that's mostly for the kids because they can use it to like watch TV on. It's like a TV and a music thing. That's what it's for. It's for media. It's not for them to like use apps because I'm like frightened of kids using apps, especially very young kids like mine who are six and three. Uh, But Eliza, who is six, was asking me, can I play an iPad game? Can I play an iPad game? She has seen me playing games on my phone. She's seen her friends sometimes play games like she wants to be able to play games. So we got I, I, I did some research and I found this game Crazy Gears and it's about like you try to you're trying to get a string to pull and you have to move the gears around and create a system of levers and pulleys and gears that pulls the string and it's it's actually like it's basic physics and problem solving and very simple puzzles that escalate very gradually in difficulty and I sat next to her and watched her while she played it and like at first she was like oh this is fun this is easy I'm so good at this game I'm great at crazy gears I'm awesome at wait, how do I do that? Hang on. How do I make the thing work? Wait, how, Dad, how does this one work? And I refused to tell her, and she had to kind of keep at it until she could get it, and she couldn't do it, but then she wanted to play it again the next day, and then she could do it. Um, it was a, It's a great sort of puzzle game for kids, and um, I recommend it. Crazy Gears, uh, available in the iOS App Store. And that's our show. If you have a question that you would like us to address, give us a call at 424-255-7833. Uh, You can let us know exactly what you think of our parenting styles on our Facebook page, (laughs) facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Exactly what they think? Are you sure? (laughs) Exactly. In the clearest possible terms. Let us know. We're curious. We want to know your opinions. Uh, The show is produced by Benjamin Frisch. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoie, I'm Gabriel Roth, and we'll be back with you next week. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.